Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 144. We have several things to recap and discuss just in our in our personal lives and about the shop and stuff like that before we get into the episode. Um, so we'll do that real quick, keep it as brief as possible. Paul, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. Uh, normally I just say, oh, I'm so good, I'm so excited, and I move on. Um, I know I've made the jokes previous weeks of like, oh, am I married yet? Because I was about to get married. Now, I, I, as of recording this this time, not just trying to guess for the future, I am actually married. I have the ring to prove it. I'm also in a new home, so I have a totally different setup. And um, I no longer have Link in the background from Legend of Zelda in the background of my video. All I'm getting to keep at the moment, because we have a smaller house, is uh, the Roshar map, which will go up at some point. Right now it is sitting just behind me. Um, but super excited to talk about Mistborn and to be back and, and and talk some with you guys. Sounds great. We may be running into Paul internet issues for the first time in our history. We'll see how that goes. That uh, is true. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing great. Not quite as great as, as Paul, but but still good. The, the reading is getting exciting. I thought last episode, maybe two episodes, that we were maybe Sander Lanching. Uh, I think I was wrong. I think the Sander Lanching begins now, like right now. For those of you who have climbed mountains, specifically 14ers, you'll always know about that false summit, you know? Where, so at the end of part three, we had that false summit of the army has been... Uh, disbanded R rapidly what's the what's the rocket term elliot the, that they use when a rocket explodes uh, unscheduled rapid disassembling or something like that uh, um yes a, a rapid un rapid unscheduled disassembly there you go that's my favorite term for a rocket exploding um but yes we are well and truly beginning a sandy lanch for the final empire in this chapter Let's uh, roll a quick intro, and then we can have Elliot summarize our chapters. Did I do the mug first or after his thing? Go ahead and do it now. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in before Elliot does his summaries first off to say i've been just chuckling about the rapid unexpected disassembly that <laughs> that makes me really laugh maybe i miss said the words again already however uh, we have some really exciting news aside from all the other exciting news that we've said so far uh, we have a new shard bearer to shout out i also have a whole host of new mugs that i'm super excited for these coming weeks to share so Juan, uh, our our good friend here now, Juan, I really, really apologize. You cannot see your name well because of the glare and also because I really had to try hard to tape this onto this mug. This this mug is the moon, um, and it is very uneven and nothing would stick to it. And so I apologize about that, Juan. It's a really low-quality job here, but for a very high-quality person. So I apologize for that, but we're super grateful for your support and having a shard bear in our midst uh, always makes a great ally. Um, so we're really grateful for that. Also, a side note as well um, is a quick shout out to our new store we have, our new merch store. Um, make sure to check it out. I believe the link is in the description. If not, if Trevor wasn't planning on that, then he has to do it now because I'm saying it. Um, if it wasn't in the description, I'm just doing a poor job of running the YouTube channel, so it better be in the description. That is really true. Um, I actually, right before I left and had my wedding, I got my mouse pad in the mail. By mouse pad, it's more like a blanket. It's huge. <laughs> and it covers almost my whole desk. My desk isn't that big. I think it's like 32-ish, 36-ish inches wide. I chose the large size. There are more normal size mouse pads for people who prefer that. Um, I will post some pictures and maybe a video in our Discord here in the next coming days whenever I have a moment. But it is awesome. It has our art print on it. It's amazing. Uh, if you haven't checked out the store, go ahead and just check it out. There's basically anything you could think of. 
with some cool art on it. So everyone loves that and Stormlight and Shard Bears and One. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, I feel like this is my longest little mug talk I've had. But I'm going to pass the reins over to Elliot. Uh, it's just an exciting time. So really thank- grateful for everyone who, who follows us and, and, and we get to talk with. So Thank you so much, Juan, uh, for supporting us on Patreon. He also ordered a bunch of stuff off the store the same day that he signed up to be a shard bearer. So we, we really appreciate your support. Elliot, you want to go ahead with your summaries? I got it. All right. Mistborn, the secret empire. For this episode, we read chapters 29, 30, and 31. So just to give us a brief summary to level set us all. 29 jumped in with Vin finishing reading the journal that Sezet has been translating. She got all the way to the end. She then goes and talks to Sezet about the journal a little bit and then a little bit more about Feru Kemi as well. Uh, let's see, elsewhere in the crew, they get a map from Marsh with the locations of all of the soothing stations. They talk a little bit about that. Chapter 30, Vin goes to what is the final ball, essentially, at uh, at Keep Venture. Ellen is uh, kind of giving her the, the stiff arm throughout the, uh, the ball. Uh, Vin does get some information out of Cliss and finds out that Ellen is going to be assassinated. Vin does jump into action and is able to save Ellen by killing Shan, who apparently is a misborn. Mic drop right there. Yes. After uh, chapter 31, Vin survives that encounter, makes it back to the hideout. They're able to, the crew is able to uh, take care of her, bandage her wounds. She and Kelsier pest out a new ability that they've kind of stumbled on, which is Vin and the, apparently the Inquisitor's perhaps ability to sense Allomancy through copper clouds. And they yeah. talk about the implications of that. And then the chapter 31 kind of wraps up with uh, Ellen figuring out that Vin is a ska thief. Dun, dun, dun. Big reveal for not us. Right. Hmm. So there's quite quite a bit happening in these chapters. I feel like chapter 29 is kind of just a, a, recap, epi- or a recap chapter that we've had throughout the book. And then we just start go, go, going right at chapter 30 and it doesn't slow down. So... I, I actually have several questions on 29. I don't know if you yeah, have something you wanted to say, Trevor, but if not, well, okay, so we, we learn about ferrochemy, right? Yeah. So we know that our, like, two magic systems here are, like, allomancy and ferrochemy, and first off, I feel like those are kind of funny names just in general. We had the whole talk about allomancy and Trevor just from room. I don't know what you're talking about. Necromancer, all the <laughs> mancers, you know, and uh, alloy together, all the things, right? Um, I was really curious to get Elliot's perspective on this as our, like, first-time reader here on Ferrochemy and, like, what you learned, what you think about it, just kind of general thoughts on on Ferrochemy. As always, I'm enjoying the deep dives into the physics of these worlds. I always get really excited when they start to explain how the magic works or how... The world operates differently from Earth, the world that, that we know it. And ferrochemy is no exception. I've I've actually been I knew we were gonna get a lot about magic. That was one of the things I was most excited about for the book series, but I've even been surprised at how much we've gotten because we have allomancy, which is this full, like fleshed out thing, which until one of these chapters here, until chapter uh thirty-one, I thought I understood allomancy pretty well. <laughs> and then Ferrochemy is like, I don't know, a whole nother system on top of that. And so we're going from one really cool, really clever, fully fleshed out magic system to, but wait, there's more. And Ferrochemy is like this whole like standalone method as well. I'm very curious about it. I feel like we don't have nearly as much understanding still about Ferrochemy as we do Allomancy, but I, I say that. And yet in chapter 31 here, we kind of get a whole surprise moment about allomancy a bit so maybe i don't understand either one but i'm fascinated by them isn't it kind of neat that we actually get these explanations like just in general i feel i feel like this like we've said this before mistborn is very different from 
how the cadence of of like Stormlight Archive is generally in that it it's way more clear on what's going on up front, where sometimes there are other stories you have to wait a long time, uh, and and that's a really really neat thing. But there's yeah, there's an extremely relevant Brandon Sanderson lecture video that I would like to reference here, but it's it's a minor spoiler for. Mistborn Era 1, like, the entire thing. So I can't talk about it, but I wish I could. And that's my contribution well, to the <laughs> to the uh, discussion. Your contribution was Raffo, pretty yes. much. On a question we didn't even ask. You're like, oh, totally wish I could say this, but I can't. If you know, then, you know. And then just leaving the us to hurt. Yep, well, exactly. Leaving Elliot to hurt. It, and well, you, because... I, I, I yeah. still don't know what your comment would have been. Right. So all you did was bring pain. Correct. Harm, Trevor. Thank you. You're no problem. Speaking I, of real quick before we leave. This is my, my really poor transition. Great ahead, segue Elliot, into what you were about to talk about. But go ahead, Elliot. Completely stall your, your attempted segue, actually, just real quick before we leave Pharaoh Kemi. I did want to say that I was I was intrigued by the importance in ferrochemy of balance. Cezed yeah. talks about this. Of in in ferrochemy, it's a give and a take. You you only get out what you put in. It's it's a storage mechanism essentially. You can pour strength into something to get strength out of it, or you can pour memories into something to get memories out later. It's not allomancy where it's gather resource deplete resource to achieve whatever force you're going to be. That one's alimancy is more of like a supply and demand sort of thing. Whereas ferrochemy is more of like a, a seesaw. It's a balance. You can kind of go this way and then you can go back the other way, or maybe a pendulum. The the great so, example they had in this chapter, says it kind of offhand mentions age as something that you can store and use. And Vin yeah. like, Vin says, whoa, 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 hold, hold up. You can make yourself really, like, you can make yourself young? And then Seiza says, uh, yes, but you you can't really, that's not very useful because then you have to be old later or earlier, right. or at some point you have to be older than the young part. So that there nobody's really found a use for that, but it is possible. Right. Yeah. My question from this, this, this is... Maybe I need to go reread that again, which is what I say often. Um, are there like limits on what you can and can't ferrochemize? So it's like we know it's commonly used with like strength, right? Like you can make yourself kind of feeble and like store up strength to use later, similar to how like pewter works, but different, but like similar effect, I guess, right? Um, there's you can do that with like can you do that with like intelligence? two or like things like that uh like i i guess it just depends on your definition of intelligence like iq points like could you be really dumb for a while and then be really smart mental capacity emotional intelligence like things like that does that make sense like are you referencing something that we shouldn't be talking about i'm not referencing anything right now but like like there's kind of an ambiguous question, like not just intelligence. Like, could you do anything? Could you do like, I don't know. Similar to how like we see all the alimentic metals work. Could you do it with like your eyesight or like your touch, your sense of sm- like like yeah. your senses, right? Like, could you do stuff like that? We see it with strength, if right, but like, I don't know the answer to your question. But if I were to theorize, I would probably say if you had the proper metal for it, yes. That would be my guess. Is that that, that makes sense. Specific metals store specific things, right? Um, so if you had if you found the proper metal to store whatever you're trying to store, feasibly possible, yes. That that'd be my guess. I think you're right. I kind of forgot about the metal granting that aspect. Um which is why you have like right copper mines and all the things. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's something that I was thinking of. Like, you know, what if you used like what would aluminum do or something? Could you do that or like some some random other metal? You know. Yeah. 
you want to get back onto your pain and suffering segue? <laughs> yes, I, I'm glad. I'm glad y'all stopped me because I thought that was a really funny segue, but it was jumping too far ahead at the time. I'm gonna jump a little farther ahead into chapter thirty, if that's all right with y'all. Um, speaking of pain and suffering, let's talk about Shanelario. Um, so I remember something I noticed definitely different this time as a rereader compared to my first time was honestly just simply slowing down and reading in a more like straightforward way. When I read Mistborn, especially book one, initially, it was like a chapter, a couple chapters here, a couple chapters there. It wasn't like as fluidly forward. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't remember who Shan Alarial was, I guess. Like, yep. I didn't think of, I didn't put together that that was that mean girl from the ball, you know? Like, right. The girl who was, like, betrothed sort of to Ellen, like, fiancé or whatever. I don't know what they actually were, but, like, they, they said they'd they were engaged or something like yeah. that. Yes. Um, so I didn't actually realize this was her until this read through, which was just kind of crazy, like, what the heck what was she doing, you know? Yeah. Um, but this whole like fight scene was really, really awesome. Um, this is like we see like kind of an ATM versus ATM battle, which is really, really cool. And also like I have to not think about it too much. I feel like it breaks my mind when I think about it too much. There's like all these like images that break off, but then I'm like, if they start moving toward one of them, then do they come inward or do a whole host of new ones? Are they always popping up? I just, I just had to stop thinking about it. Yeah. Personally. I, it's one of those things where I feel like visual adaptation, you could go a lot of directions with interpreting that. Um, and I have no idea what would look the best visually on screen. It could just look like a mess. Like if you did it incorrectly, like in my head, it doesn't make sense. So portraying that on screen i think is going to be challenging not impossible but um you'd probably have to dial it back into like you know you're seeing like four illusions that of like the future instead of what they describe as like 200 or whatever it is that's what i was thinking i was thinking in like a realistic sense like imagining if this were real life and you're burning atm and someone else is the, like the possibilities seem like endless of right. what the person kind of could do. So I'm thinking it looks almost like a kaleidoscope of just like images, you know, like always new ones coming, always old ones leaving, like all this stuff just beyond recognition. But in like a fantasy sense, it makes a lot of sense that it's like 10, 15 images pop out of like things that they might do, like feasible options, not like possibilities, if that makes sense. Um, and so, so I was thinking about that in this fight, but really cool, really like picking up the pace. Um, yeah, it, it starts to be, get real action packed with this. I loved seeing how creative Vin is yeah. with her Alamancy. You know, I've talked before about how Alamancy is really complicated, and to be a good Mistborn, like you got to be quick in your thinking. You've got so many tools at your disposal. You got to get real creative real fast. It's like video games with too many abilities that overwhelm me real fast and I lose. But <laughs> I was saying a lot because I lose a lot of video games anyway. But Vin is really good at this sort of thing. And she's it's fun to watch the creative ways that she solves problems. And I loved how she defeats Shan at the end of it too, where Vin preemptively, but before she gets rid before she completely depletes all of her ATM. She extinguishes it on purpose, pretending like she's run out. And so then that tricks Shannon to thinking, aha, I've got her now. I can predict exactly what she's going to do. And then right at the key moment, Vin's able to bring the ATM back and surprise her. So a, a very clever way to surprise someone who can anticipate everything you're going to do. I'm really glad you brought that up. I think this mechanic specifically is probably my favorite thing in this book from Brandon Sanderson and from a writing perspective. I, the fact that he's introduced to you this whole Alamancy thing during the entire book, and now we're finally seeing it like in a full-fledged action sequences where the stakes are fairly high. Um, and yet he's still able to surprise you with something that you weren't expecting so that the 
uh, action is very enjoyable, but it also doesn't feel like he's breaking his own rules. Like that, that seemed earned what Vin just did there of, wow, that was really clever. I followed exactly what she just did, but it's not that like, oh, she came up with this thing to get out of her, her troubles. And I, I just hadn't introduced that to you yet. Um, so, right. It's something that we, as a reader could have absolutely thought of right. at, at to this point, but the majority of people aren't, haven't thought through that. And so when it comes to you as a book, it's like, oh yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I, I just remembered, or I just remembered thinking that on my first read, uh, I was really impressed with this scene of, wow, that's really cool and really creative way to adapt these rules that you've just um, explained to me that I, I followed you all the way through that action sequence and you didn't lose me. And that was great. Um, I, I was brought back to my first read of Mistborn and I really enjoyed that with this scene. The, uh, go ahead, Elliot. In the midst of all this with the uh, ATM burning and things like that, we found the scene. Yes. The scene I've been looking for anticipating on the edge of my seat from before I read the very first words, because it's on the cover of my, the copy of the novel that I have. If you're watching us, you can see me holding it up. If you're listening, you obviously can't, but go check out our YouTube channel and you can see the picture. The, uh, the paperback copy of the book that I have has artwork on the front of just a stained glass window being shattered. And it's just a very striking image from the very moment that I picked up the book. And so I've been very eagerly awaiting the scene where a stained glass window gets, uh, gets shattered and it happened in chapter 30. Finn goes flying through a uh, stained glass window and it was suitably epic. I don't know why, but I was very sure it was going to be Kelsier. that would be the one flying through the stained glass window. It just seems like a very Kelsier thing to do. Yeah. Like almost, I was almost expecting it to be intentional. Like Kelsey is going to make a statement by smashing the the you know nobleman's stained glass window as he saves the day or kills the person or whatever. It was a little more, a little more simple, in that it was Vin just needed a way to get out of the building, but it was cool. With the really- with the conclusion of this scene, our house war has officially begun. And all of the nobles flee the scene as Ellen doesn't even know he was about to be assassinated by his former fiance. Um, and then he, he evacuates the palace via carriage. He runs away in his friend's carriage with him. And he sends out a spy in chapter 31 um, that goes and spies on Vin and follows Vin uh, from the, or had previously fallen Vin, followed Vin, not tonight, uh, had previously followed Vin to the Ska hideout, to Kelsier's hideout. And they tell Ellen, she's a Ska. She's been going back here every night as opposed to going to Renews every night. And this is a full ska like layer. We we can't get in here. We can't hear what's going on in there. The whole thing is soundproofed. Um, there's watchers that we've we've spotted in the windows and stuff. So Vin's cover is blown for Ellen, but Ellen actually takes it like as encouraging news that oh she's not a nobleman spying on me. She's just trying to rob me. Oh that's great. And I don't remember Jasty's. Is that who he's who he's with? Jasty's like you're such an idiot. Like, <laughs> why, why is this encouraging news to you? I just really enjoyed that scene. It, it is, it is odd. And it also got me thinking, this is, this is just a really dumb thought that I had, but what are the odds that the two girls like involved pseudo involved in liking Ellen are Mistborn, not just like a misting or something, yeah. but like Mistborn, it's like Mistborns are like ridiculously rare. And it's like, if a house has a Mistborn, that's like a huge deal, you know, like one or two, like really sets you up in a crazy like way. Right. And then Ellen, like the two girls that have like shown interest ish in him, the whole stuff with Chandelarial seems odd and forced and not like a real love story. Right. Right. But 
still girl associated with Ellen, and they're both Mistborn, which I just think is really crazy. Where are the odds? Not high. Nope, not at all. So it's a little funny too because at the beginning of the story, I was fairly confident in my prediction that Ellen would be the Mistborn. I was I was waiting for that classic like Ben's a Mistborn, Ellen's a Mistborn. They don't realize that each other are Mistborn, and then all of a sudden you get this like you know funny awkward middle of the night land on a rooftop wait you <laughs> moment yeah <laughs> and we didn't get that at all it's the it's the people around ellen that are the misborn not not him it's still plausible he's he does seem fairly unmisborn e though he, I th- i'm yeah i didn't think shane alario was misborn though like i i mean right i remember there being this scene where vin kills a Mistborn who's trying to assassinate Ellen. Yeah. I just don't remember putting those pieces together my first time of that is Shandelariel from the balls. Like, like the whole connection there. So. I, I do think it's I a very was... interesting cover, though, that she purposely makes it known to everybody. Like, everybody knows, oh, she's a soother. She mm-hmm. can get you to do oh, whatever yeah. you want. She's a soother. But she uses that as a cover for being full Mistborn, which I thought was actually a really cool use of the magic system again by Raina Sanderson. Yeah. I was I was pretty surprised by Shan being the Mistborn, but I think it's just because I let my guard down. Like when the book started, I was I was suspicious of everyone. I was like, ooh, Mistborn. Ooh, that could be a Mistborn. Ooh, that person <laughs> could be a Mistborn. And then by by like halfway, two-thirds of the way through the book, I was, you know, I, I gave up my hunt for for Mistborn because we hadn't really met any. And so then when it finally came out, it was like, oh, there's a Mistborn. I was I was surprised. It it was the, the only other thing I have to say about it is it did a really good job of hiding with her character because she's kind of you just kind of brush her off as the like yep. pompous, bratty, like snobby yep. noble girl who's just like rude to all the others, kind of like a bully almost, you know, and. And and it makes sense that she'd be a soother, like, and just kind of push on people's emotions and like draw the, those kinds of reactions, right? But then you don't think of her like steel pushing and pewter burning and like, like all the all the misborn things, you know, and like actually being like strong, like well trained, you know, not just like a a brat, right? Like like actually pretty menacing, which is really crazy. But when Vin returns to the lair, um. She actually kind of mouths off to the crew. The the crew kind of accuse her of like, why did you show our hand? Why are you running around as a Mistborn um, to defend Ellen? And she talks right back to them and says, well, how dare you guys not care for all the ska that are around you and you're just trying to live as nobles without titles is, is the comeback she has for them how how dare you guys live with all this these riches and pretend that you are the common ska you don't know anything about being a ska i do um and so i don't know her her temper breaks there and then she has a pretty laid back conversation with kelsey afterwards they actually end up disproving i don't know if that's the correct word um challenging copper as a as a mechanic which elliot you mentioned earlier do you want to talk about this yeah this was an intriguing little scene vin is suspicious that the inquisitors can sense her even when she's copper clouding yes there's a verb there that i'm missing but i don't know why that's funny to me (laughs) (laughs) when she's clouding they're sensing me while i'm copper clouding no what's the there's a term for it smoking there you go Smokering, smoking, mm-hmm. smoking. When she's when she's burning copper, and she should be able to protect and shield her allomancy. The Inquisitors seem to be able to find her anyway, and and Vin now has a theory based on this. She she thinks that the Inquisitors can can still sense them, and this has kind of two implications. One, which is part of Vin's evidence, is that she can do it. Yeah. At least slightly. And she proves it to Kelsier here in this scene. Kelsier doesn't believe her. He's like, no, nah, that's silly. 
and and Vin does it. She, he, she has Kelsier her, shield himself with copper and burn something else, and Vin can tell him what he's burning. Yeah, and it, it kind of blows Kelsier's mind there in a moment. He's like, "Whoa, man, that changes the game," because then the second implication from this is this makes us revisit the whole mare betrayed Kelsier element of our story. Yeah, the whole. Kelsier's wife mayor turned him into the Lord Ruler because the only evidence or the, the, the evidence that Kelsier had for that was the Lord Ruler thanked her for giving them up or turning them in or whatever it was. Vin's new theory is, well, she was burning tin that whole time. And so she was, you know, giving you away because the Inquisitors or maybe the Lord Ruler himself could sense that. And so We've got a little bit of a game changer, which is this is what I was referring to. And it's like, I thought I understood Alamancy. I thought I had a good hold on everything. It all had very logical explanations. You've got this metal, you've got the alloy of that metal, you've got internal, external, all these different kind of elements that fit nicely together. And then all of a sudden, Vin can break the rules and the Inquisitors can break the rules. Why can they break the rules? I really, I want to know. One of, I've been praising Brandon Sanderson. Now I'm going to pick at it a little bit. Um, one of the things that actually kind of bothers me about this mechanic is one of the reasons Vin has to think along the lines that she is, is the Lord Ruler's soothing powers. She she said multiple yeah. times has pierced her copper and like she still feels the Lord Ruler's influence over her. Why does Kelsier not come up with that? Or why does any Mistborn that is around the Lord Ruler not come up with that? Like, why is that unique to Vin of she can feel the Lord Ruler soothing through her smoking? I would assume everybody else can still feel that, and maybe they just brush it aside of, oh, that's the Lord Ruler. But, I don't know. That that was one of the reasons why she was thinking along the lines she was. Turns out she's correct. Why has this not been thought of before by other people? Yeah, it's a valid question that I feel like I can't really dive further into without some more knowledge because it, there's there's kind of two options there. Either the other Alabancers do feel the influence of the Lord Ruler and they're either ignoring it or not noticing it or just, yeah, chalking it up to he's ridiculously powerful or he's the god or whatever it is. Or is Vin the only one that feels it? Right. I think she's mentioned this a few times, and Kelsier doesn't seem to have reacted too strongly to it. Yeah. But may, maybe she, maybe it's a Vin thing. Maybe Vin is the only one that feels the Lord Ruler through her copper. Which would raise a whole other host of questions. I, right. I don't know. Anything else, gentlemen, for the episode? Before we get into Stormlight stuff, I do have some Stormlight stuff. I had a Stormlight thing as well, but before we go that far, I actually did have a couple more things back in Chapter 29. They're they're pretty small. They're short. The, before uh, you do that, can I say one other thing about copper? Yes. It's my my yeah. last thoughts while we're while we're kind of on the avenue of copper. It's not anything that that profound, but I couldn't shake the feeling the whole time that we were talking about this that like copper is the worst metal if you're a misting like <laughs> you're copper a smoker has to be the worst one because it's like it, it's a really really cool thing to be like my responsibility is keeping the whole crew hidden yeah so they can't be detected right that's that's a good responsibility that is important that is powerful but then it's like oh but strong alamancers could just see through it anyways and so it's like there's no purpose then like like what that's got to be the most useless one then if that's if if that's the case right and i don't think that is the case we've obviously seen that it is seems to be weird exceptions that we don't know yet that can like feel sense things through copper clouds but it still made me think like if people got figured that out copper clouds if you're a smoker you're just kind of obsolete like you're kind of that's it and anyways that that's that was a, a a dumb thought that i'd had while reading this that, and that I'm almost, sharing it with you. That thought almost pushes me a little more towards the maybe it's a Vin thing. Because like you, you're right. Being being the smoker 
it is perceived as a very important job. The whole reason this crew was able to pull together and do this job is because they have the world-renowned smoker clubs and his his uh, workshop. And they've yep. been running this whole thing out of there completely based on for they've been this one for over a year now or something like close to a year. And even before Kelsier used it, like this is a well-known hideout that you can rent. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so it's not like just a quizzer walks by and it's like, haha, you're trying to hide and you can't. Right. Like it, it works. They've been able to hide this, this shop for a long time. So that almost makes me think maybe it is a Vin thing. Maybe it is, there's something about Vin that's different. Which then immediately jumps me to a follow-up thought too, which is, well, if if Vin's different, and Inquisitors can sense her, would that could that potentially mean that Mare was also the same different? Yeah, that Mare was noticeable by the the Inquisitors. Is there some kind of a link between Mare and Vin that is a common thread that is keying into this ability, perhaps? And that's why. The Lord Ruler specifically singled out Mare as opposed to like any of the crew that were burning Alamancy or Kelsey right. or whoever the other guy they had with them. Yeah. Right. Interesting thoughts. Did you have anything else on Copper Paul? Nope. That was my last Copper thought. All right. Well, before we kind of move to wrap up the episode or move into some of our Stormlight spoilers. Just going back to chapter 29 really quickly, just a couple of small notes that I picked up on. In in this chapter, Sezid unfortunately squashed a rather facetious theory that we had a long time ago. We we joked quite a while ago that when Sezid saved Finn from the Inquisitor in the, the fortress, that the description you read in the book is they, they heard a sound like a shattering branches. Yeah, shattering branches. And so we I, I immediately jumped to the conclusion of, oh, well, Sezed just saved her by dropping a tree on top of that uh, Inquisitor. Well, uh, unfortunately, here in this chapter, Sezed gives her a very detailed explanation of exactly what he did. And nah, there's even a moment in the story. Well, there's a moment in the story where Vin, like, is disappointed. She's like, oh, that's all you did? And Sezed's like, what? Were you expecting something more dramatic? And I, I said out loud as I was reading the book, I was like, yes, I was expecting something more dramatic. I wanted a tree falling from the sky on top of this Inquisitor. And no, you just like hulked up for a moment and then punched him. And that was it. Anyway. Uh, he's lying. He's he, covering up. Must be. Doesn't want people to know he used a tree. Yeah. But just yet again, we gave me flashbacks to the whole episode where we went on for like 20 straight minutes <laughs> on that stupid tree. It, and it made we, we me did. laugh when we did that because, like, I there was no thought that ever occurred to me along those lines. There's nothing in the outline like either. Talked, like, like, we just started <laughs> talking. I feel like we went on that for a long time, and I was like, I, I think that's just a descriptive word choice. However, I see what you mean. Like, yeah, he could, he could have, yeah, he could have picked up a tree. And we, we, we tied yeah. to stormlight. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, Anyway, yeah, after Sezed squashed our fantastic theory rather directly, the other thing in this chapter that I noticed was a little bit of a, what I'll call a meta-reader moment for me. There was another another bit in this chapter where something that Vin was thinking like spoke directly to me, and I, I got to read it, and it'll it'll make sense to some of our longtime readers. Vin is, uh, she's reading the, the journal, the logbook that they're, that they've been translating and, and reading. And this is just kind of some of her thoughts as she's digesting it. A part of her wished that she could visit such places, no matter how dangerous. Though the logbook didn't describe the Lord Ruler's entire journey, some of the marvels it did include, the ice fields to the north, the Great Black Lake, and the Terrace Waterfall, it sounded amazing. If only he'd put in more detail about what things looked like, <laughs> she thought, with annoyance. And I... That's funny. Again... I set my book down and out loud I said, Yeah, as soon as I read that. Because if, if you're a longtime listener of this this podcast, then you know that my my primary, perhaps my only critique or request of Brandon is that I wish he would describe things more for me. I wish that he would take some time and tell me what the landscape of Skadrio looks like, that he would tell me what the landscape of Roshar looks like. And when 
there's a battle. He tell me more about what the armor looks like or the sounds that we're hearing or, you know, some of those more sensory moments. And Brandon very intentionally doesn't tell stories like that. He, he's got lectures um, on his YouTube channel about how that's a very conscious writer's choice of his. He writes with verbs and not with adjectives. And that's, that's just his style, how he does it. But it's, it, it was just funny to read a moment in one of his stories that is my exact thought or critique, critique about some of Brandon's works. It was, it was enjoyable. I laughed. Vin also in that same dialogue has frustrations with Sazed. And Sazed says, well, if you're getting this invested in a book, you might become a scholar. And Vin says, well, not if books end like this. This is a terrible ending. I want good <laughs> endings. Please give me good endings. So that's, that was funny to me. Yep. Good stuff. That was all I had from these chapters. All right. Sounds good. Let's go into Stormlight stuff. Uh, Paul, you used, I don't know if you intentionally you phrased it this way, but because you phrased it this way made me think of a specific character in Stormlight. Elliot, you wrote it. Go ahead. Okay, so you guys started talking, and I had to jump down to the end of the, the template to to write this down. We we cleared Stormlight spoilers, right? We did. You're not a Stormlight. A bit, like, big, big Stormlight spoilers about to drop. Yes, big, massive, big, enormous. Big, 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 massive Stormlight. So, Teravangian. Wow. Okay. So, Paul, you started talking about ferrochemy and intelligence and, you know, throwing out the idea, well, could you store up intelligence and use it on a later day? That it seems like a very plausible question in the context of ferrochemy. But as soon as you started talking, I was like, wait a second. There's an obvious character that does exactly that. Yeah. Like exactly that. He spends some of his time less intelligent and then he spends other parts of his time overly intelligent it's like oh is that coincidence would you like to know a it's secret? awfully similar okay please you're it is a great i think it is a pretty darn smart connection to make there it was kind of by accident that's my secret uh, I was just like throwing out. I think I could think of with Farrakimi, and then I said intelligence, and then I thought about it, and I I realized, and I didn't want to go down it because we weren't talking about Stormlight, and starting to talk about that with Teravangian becomes a big spoiler, and then Trevor was like, anything particular in mind, and I was like, <laughs> no, well, no, not yet, no, yeah, but but yes, no, 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 no. I, I think this is something that could be talked about. I, I can't think of a time that I've feel like I've seen Farrakimi in Stormlight the way the way we see here, but it did get me thinking of like I understand the rules of you have to have a metal storage facility, whatever the metal to store whatever thing, right? But we don't know what all of our metals could do. Like if you could use hypothetically any metal of whatever right alloy, is there something you you could store? You know, like, could you store intelligence? Could you store, I mentioned, like, sensory things? You know, similar to being, like, a tin eye, for example, right? Could you use tin to yeah. store, like, good good vision? Could you store, I don't know, artistic capability? I, I, I don't know. Like, like you, you, you name it, could you store it in a metal using ferrochemy? Um, the... Using the word artistic ability made me immediately jump to soul stamp. Um, I would equate that to to like knowledge of martial arts or something like that. But um, yeah. that that's a that's a different conversation. Specifically the mm -hmm. the Teravangian one. So what we've been told Teravangian's deal is he went to the Night Watcher Night or cultivate. Uh oh. Was it Night Watcher or Cultivation? He went to the Night Watcher but met with Cultivation. Did he? Yes. How sure are you? Because I'm like 98. No, I'm thinking of Dalinar, aren't I? Dalinar definitely Dalinar did. Dalinar goes, but that's what I'm thinking of. You might be right because Cultivation think... meets, big spoilers, Cultivation meets Teravangian at the end of Rhythm of War 
and says that's part of all this was all her plan or something like that. So you might be right. You might be right. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty darn confident that he meets with cultivation. But yeah, so then it just becomes the so it becomes the question of is cultivation using this using something some ferrochemic mechanic. Okay. Another question for you here. So you know how you can't access other people's like metal mines? Uh-huh. It is personalized to you. It's right. not like shavings of a metal that you can ingest and burn with alamancy, right? It is specific to you. If your your if my metal mind was on you, Trevor, could I use its effects on you? Could you make me weaker? Yeah, like could I use the strength I've stored up and like physically put it on you and like make you stronger or weaker or things like that use the power that i've stored up on because if so then the intelligence thing someone could be puppeteering teravangian right that's a really crazy theory that is that's that's where that's what i'm getting at that is a really ridiculous theory that i don't think is true right like what if what if someone is pulling on teravangian's mental strengths without him knowing the, Some like godlike. The diagram would be somebody yeah, else's, and they're showing it to Teravangian. Is that what the the line you're going down? They're just manipulating when he is super intelligent and when he's not. Oh, okay. Right? When he's and super it, dumb. It's not random. It's purposeful. Could be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, like if that were the case, where you could. Okay, it's a lot of hypotheticals. It is first hypothetical is you can use your own metal mind on someone else. That is the first hypothetical. The second hypothetical is that someone is doing that to Teravangian intentionally, right? Which are two very big ones. But, you know, right now, if those hypotheticals are true, then that is technically possible, if those are both true. I I could also see another slight twist on your theory there, and that maybe it's Teravangian's metal mind, but somehow someone else has the on-off switch. Like, it's... It's it's all Teravangian's resource. It's all his intelligence. It's a swing in him. But either it's not intentional. He has no control over when he draws on it and when he's storing it. It just happens. Or is someone else like moving the knob? Okay. Something to add to this. So we know that Teravangian always looked back and he was like, I had the one like brilliant day where he like did the diagram or whatever right this one brilliant day and then now he's talking about how it's all kind of like a downward slope like it's not just straight down every day it's like a downward trend it moves up and down but it is like a downward trend yeah maybe he like used up so much that in general he's just having to like recharge more right like he's gonna have to recharge for a while because he used so much for the diagram Uh, mm -hmm. that he's like he can only go up so high right now because he's just used so much that he has to like restore that, right? Logically, that makes sense. Yeah. Except in my head, I think it has to work the other way. I think you have to preemptively store that up before you can go up that high, but... Well, I but, mean, but what if he did? What if, he's, what if he spent time lower that led up to that peak mm-hmm. that, where he wrote the diagram, and now he's kind of back down, which yeah. then leads you to, is he storing up for another one of those days? Has he been spending really a lot of time in the lower section of it, all of this slowly building up another metal mind to the or, point where Stormlight 5, we get another odium-infused diagram day. day. Holy cow. Know? And but, Yeah. And you can also go back to this is somebody else's metal mind feasibly, um, uh, that somebody else used all that time down... Um, and then, you know, metal-minded Teravangian, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway. What if it's Thytokar's metal mind? I feel like that has we... a lot of implications that I am not qualified to speak yeah. on at this moment. Th- Th- Thytokar gets a special episode here in a little bit, not yet. Fair. Fair. Okay, something with probably not as huge implications. Did you all see the cameo? In chapter thirty-one, the the what? Cameo. The who? 
Did I not? In chapter 31. Chapter 31. Look out for these things. Did I miss one? This one's pretty hard. This one's... You definitely need a copper mine. The, the website, not the... Um, okay. Not the in-world thing. I bet the actual in-world one would be helpful, though. So this one I actually spoiled for you guys back when we read this in Stormlight. And I pulled out Mistborn and read an excerpt. I don't know if you guys remember this. And I, I looked at Paul. I read an excerpt of Chapter 31. And... Paul, you're like, what is the context of that? And I didn't give it to you. Um, I, I think I know what you're talking about then, but I still don't remember. So, Ellen employs a spy to go check out Vin, right? His name is Felt. F-E-L-T. Felt. The bodyguard that accompanies Dalinar to Cultivation... His That's name yeah. is Felt. Neat. Nope, missed that one. No idea what Felt has been doing, but he's 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 is, slid around somewhere. Is Felt the one? Oh man, I'm racking my brains. Dalinar goes to visit Cultivation. Doesn't he grab one of his guards and he's like, "Hey, you know about the Night Watcher. You're coming with me." Yes. Is that Felt? Yes. And there's an there's an offhand comment where Dalinar says, "Well, where are you from? Well, how do you know about the Night Watcher?" And Felt just says, "I'm not from around here." That, ah. That's all he says. <laughs> Interesting. Is the is the correct term here, World Hopper? That is the correct term, World Hopper. Intriguing. Yes. Um. Th there'll be a couple of more of those, which I get to point out to you at some point in the future. But that is the only one I will point out today. Anything else, gentlemen? Not here. All right. Let's reconvene next week, and we will end part four in episode 145, which is next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Farewell. See ya, and thanks again, Juan. Much thanks. Thank you.